scripture this morning is from Psalms 139, 1 through 16. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? As if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in school, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light above me be night, even the darkness is not that dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearful and wonderful made. Wonderful are you work, are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, integrity woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me, my informed substance. In your book were written every word of them, the days that were formed for me, and as yet there was none of them. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Appreciate this time of worship that we've been able to share together. If you're visiting with us, we're thankful that you're here. We want to welcome you. For those who are not visiting with us, for those who are members here, we want to welcome you too. We're thankful that you're here and able to spend this time in worship and fellowship together on the Lord's Day. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 139. Appreciate Greg reading that for us in verses 1 through 16. So if you have your Bible, if you have your copy of God's Word, and you'd like to follow along with me this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 139, looking at the first 16 verses of that chapter. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 16. There was a rather cruel and crude experiment that was carried out by Emperor Frederick, who reigned over the Roman Empire in the 13th century A.D., he wanted to know the natural language of man. What was the language that Adam and Eve spoke whenever they were in the Garden of Eden? Was it Hebrew? Was it Greek? Was it Latin? In order to find out, in order to determine the original language of man, he came up with an experiment. He took a handful of infants and isolated them from the sound of a human voice. He thought, his logic was, if we can isolate these infants from the sound of a human voice, if they never hear a human being talk, then they will originally speak, then they will speak the original language of man. And so he had some wet nurses that he swore to absolute secrecy. They could do everything for the infants, take care of them, change them, feed them, except speak to them. One year later, 
every single one of those infants had died. They died not from a lack of resources, not from a lack of food. It wasn't because they weren't taken care of physically. They died because they lacked emotionally. They died from a lack of love. They died from a lack of relationship. As people, as human beings, we need relationships in order to survive. We need relationships with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to remember what Jesus says in John chapter 13 that we are to love one another just as Jesus loves us. We need relationships with family. We need relationships with friends. We need relationships with, with co-workers and classmates. The list could go on and on. There are so many different relationships that we enjoy in this life. There are so many different relationships that we need in this life. As we study in Psalm 139 this morning, I want each and every one of us to recognize the greatest relationship that a person can have is a relationship with God. Let that sink in for just a moment. The greatest relationship that a person can have is a relationship with God. And so I want to invite you to reflect with me for just a second. I want to invite you to think with me for just a second. How strong is your relationship with God right now? What does your relationship with God look like? right now. I'm not talking about what it's looked like in the past, maybe when you were on that spiritual mountaintop and you felt so close to God, you were living faithfully to God on a daily basis. I'm not talking about how strong that relationship with God could be in the future, potentially. We're talking about right now in the present. How strong is your relationship with God? What does your relationship with God look like in this moment? One thing that we recognize about any relationship is that it has to go both ways. Both parties have to be involved. Both parties have to be invested in the relationship in order for it to work, in order for it to be healthy, in order for it to be prosperous. If a relationship is just going one way, it's not going to be a healthy relationship. If a relationship is one-sided, it's not going to be everything that that relationship could be. A relationship has to go both ways. It's kind of like two friends who were having a conversation one time. One friend asked the other friend, how would you like to be the sun that lights up my world? The friend said, that's a little bit weird the way that you said that, but I, I guess I'd like to do that for you. We, we've been friends for a long time. I, I guess I'd like to be the sun that lights up your world. And so the friend told him, if you really want to be the sun that lights up my world, then you probably need to stay about 92.96 million miles away from me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that relationship is going to work. And you can see why, right? That relationship is one-sided. One is saying, I'll be the sun that lights up your world. The other is saying, you need to stay 92 million miles away from me. It's a one-sided relationship. It's not going to work. In order for a relationship to be successful and prosperous and healthy, both sides, both parties have to be invested and involved. That's true in our relationships with one another, relationship with family, relationships with friends. It's true in our relationship with God. As we study in Psalm 139 over the next few minutes, I hope that we're going to be impressed with the fact that God is completely invested, God is completely involved 
in our relationships with Him. God is completely present in the relationships that we have with Him on an individual level. The question is, are we? Are we involved? Are we invested? Are we present in our relationships with God? Or have we grown far away from God? Are we absent from our relationships with Him? Let's think about that together as we walk through the text. Let's start by talking about God. God's side in this relationship. When you look at the first six verses of Psalm 139, you find the fact that God knows us. God knows us personally. God knows us intimately. One thing that we need to acknowledge about the God that we serve, and this is something that we find throughout the entirety of the Scriptures, is that God is omniscient. In other words, God knows everything. There's nothing that's outside the realm of God's knowledge. There's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing that God doesn't understand. For instance, take a look at that. In Psalm 147 and verse number 5, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. Underline it. His understanding is beyond measure. You can't take God's understanding and lay it out and measure it and put a number on it. His understanding is beyond measure because He is omniscient. We see in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20 that God knows everything. Going back to Job chapter 21 and verse 22, I'll get it up there in just a second. Job asked the question, will any teach God knowledge seeing that He judges those who are on high? There's a lot of different people who can teach me a lot of different things about a number of different subjects in a number of different areas. I'd say that's true for all of us. Can a man teach God anything? Will any teach God knowledge? And of course the answer to that is no, because as we said at the end of 1 John 3 and verse 20, God knows everything. Psalm 139 and verse number 6, what we read just a few moments ago. God's knowledge, it's too wonderful for us. It's too high. It's too high above our heads. We cannot attain the knowledge of God. And then as Paul burst out in praise in Romans 11 and 33, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. I might just have to tell you to advance to the next slide. My clicker's not working. I'm having flashbacks to whenever I tried out. Remember that? When I preached here for the first time and the clicker didn't work, well now this clicker isn't working. So Brian, is that you up there? I'll just tell you to advance. Let, let's go ahead and advance to the next slide and recognize the fact that God knows us in Psalm 139 verses 1 through 6. We serve a God who is omniscient. We serve a God who knows everything. We serve a God, nothing is outside the realm of His knowledge. But you look at the first six verses of this chapter and it's a whole lot more personal than that. You look at Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, and we become overwhelmed with the fact that it's not just that God knows everything, God knows us. He knows me, and He knows you personally. In verse 1, the psalmist says, David says, You have searched me. Whenever you lose something in your house, you're going to search for it until you find it. Like, have you ever lost your car keys before? You're going to become pretty acquainted with your house the longer that you look for your car keys. You're going to know where everything's placed because you're looking in every corner. You're looking under everything. Looking in the cushions of the couch. Looking on the kitchen table. David says that God has searched us. And as a result, He knows us. God knows everything about us. God knows us completely. He knows whenever we sit down. 
He knows when we rise up. It's not just what we do on the outside, though, that God knows. God even knows our thoughts. David says that God discerns our thoughts from afar. God knows every single thought that passes through my mind. God searches out my path. He knows where I go. And He knows what I do on a daily basis. God knows where I lie down at night, where I rest my head. God is acquainted with all of my ways. We become acquainted with different people as we live our lives. God is acquainted with everything that we do. Because He knows it. In verse 5, I love the idea that God is at the bookends of our lives. That's what David is telling us. That God hems us in. He's before us and He's behind us. He's at the beginning and He's at the end. Well, if He's at the two ends, if He's at the beginning and the end, if He's before and behind, what does that mean about the middle? Well, if God is at the bookends, doesn't that mean that He's going to be everywhere else in between? And that's what the psalmist says, that God lays His hand upon us. He hems us in. He's behind us. He's before us. And in the middle, He lays His hand on top of us. As we live our lives, we might think that we can get away with sin. We try to hide our sin from people. We try to hide our sin from everybody so that nobody knows the things that I'm doing. Nobody knows the sins that I've involved myself in. Even if you were to hide your sin from everybody in the world, you can't hide it from God. Because God knows you completely. He knows you on the inside. He knows you on the outside. He knows where you go. He knows what you do. So if you're not living a life that's faithful to God, this is something that should be a scary thought to you. God knows those secret sins that you're trying to hide. God knows those secret sins that you're trying to conceal. But if we are living faithfully to Jesus on a daily basis, this is something that should bring us great peace. It's something that should bring us great comfort. God knows us personally. But remember, that relationship has to go both ways. On the next slide, perhaps we could ask the question, do we know Him? There it is working again. I guess it has a mind of its own. Do we know Him? The amazing thing about our God is that He wants us to know Him. For instance, you go to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. There Jeremiah addresses how we talk, how we view ourselves, the things that we boast about. He says, don't boast about how strong you are. Don't boast about how much money you have. Don't boast about how smart you are. But verse 24, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. God wants us to know Him. God wants us to understand Him based on how He has revealed Himself in the pages of Scripture. God wants us to know who He is. He's the Lord. He wants us to know what He does. He practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. God delights in us knowing Him. Jesus is the only way that we can know Him. In John 17 and 3, this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. There's a great reward associated with knowing God not just an abundant life in this life, but eternal life in the one to come. God knows us. He knows us personally. He knows us intimately. He knows us completely. Do we know Him? 
If we're going to know God, then we have to know about God. And if we're going to know about God, we have to go to the Scriptures. If we want to know who God is and what God is like, if we want to understand God's personality and God's character and God's nature, if we want to know what God desires and what He delights in and also what He despises, then we need to spend time in the Word of God. You can't come to know God if you don't know about God based on how He has revealed Himself in the pages of His Word. But we also recognize that knowing God is not just about knowing about God. Knowing God is not just taking Scripture and putting it in our hearts and putting it in our minds. John tells us in 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4, that knowing God is actually something we do in our lives. And by this we know that we've come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, whoever makes the claim, I know Him, but doesn't keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. You can know all that there is to know about God. You can quote every verse in the entirety of Scripture. But if you don't keep God's commands on a daily basis, you don't actually know Him. If we're going to know God, we have to know about God. And we have to choose to live for Him on a daily basis. It's amazing to think that God knows me. God knows you. The question is, do we know Him? The second thing that we find in this passage as we continue reading in verses 7-12 through is that God is present with us. God knows us, but He's also present with us when we look at 7-12. through We said just a few minutes ago that God is omniscient. He knows everything. Here we find that God is omnipresent. God is present in all places, at all times, with all people equally. Notice how the psalmist, notice how David talks about that in, in 7. He asks a couple questions. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? David wants to know, is there a place where I can go? Is there a location that I can travel to where I can escape God's spirit and escape God's presence? What's the answer to that? If I go up into the heavens, as high as I can go, David says to God, you're there. Or if I go down into the, into the deep, if I go down into the grave, into Sheol is, is the word that's there. It says, you're there too. If I'm standing in the darkness, you're there. If I'm standing in the light, you're there. If I'm on the land, you're there. If I go into the deepest part of the ocean, you're there. Where can I go to escape God's presence? Where can I go to escape God's Spirit? There is nowhere that we can go where we can escape God. Which would go back to what we mentioned just a moment ago. If you're not choosing to live faithfully to Jesus, that should be a scary thought. It's not just that God knows those sins that you're trying to cover up and conceal and keep a secret, but, but God is there. God is present whenever you're doing those things. But then you look at the other side. If we are choosing to live faithfully to Jesus, this is a beautiful thought. This is a comforting thought that God is present with us wherever we go. He says whenever you look in verse number 10, as God is present with us, He's leading us. As God is present with us, He is the one who is holding us. I love how Jeremiah says it in the 23rd chapter in verse 23. He says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I can't see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. The God that we serve, He's not a God who's far away. He's a God who is close. He is a God who, has, who is at hand. 
there's not a place where we can go to hide ourselves from God because He's the one who fills heaven and earth. Everything that exists, God fills with His Spirit. Everything that exists, God fills with His presence. And as a result, Joshua 1 and verse 9, He's with us wherever we go. Because He's with us wherever we go, we can be strong and courageous. We don't have to be dismayed. We don't have to be frightened. Because wherever we go, the presence of God goes with us. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For this is what God has said. This is what God has promised. I will never leave you or forsake you. God knows us. God is present with us. He's leading us. He's holding us. He's constantly with us. Maybe another question we could ask is, are we present with Him? God is present with us. Are we present with Him? We oftentimes frown upon parents being absent in their child's lives. We frown upon husbands or wives being absent in their marital relationship. Are we absent in our relationships with God? Here's God present with us, leading us, holding us, constantly with us. Are we present with Him? Or are we absent from Him? Paul says in Galatians 5 and 25 that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Whenever I was in college on the cross-country team, there was a guy who was a year ahead of me named Adam, and we ran together every single day. There, there's no telling how many miles Adam and I ran together over the course of three years when we were on the team together. Whenever we would run together, we would keep in step with one another. To borrow language from the Apostle Paul, I didn't run ahead of him and let him fall behind. He didn't run ahead of me and let me fall behind. We kept in step with one another. We were step for step. We were stride for stride. And that's what Paul tells us to do with the Spirit of God. That if we're going to live by the Spirit in context, producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then we have to keep in step with the Spirit. We have to go stride for stride with the Spirit. I'm not running ahead of the Spirit because I'm impatient and I want to take things into my own hands and I want to fix them for myself. I'm not going to fall behind the Spirit being entrenched or engrossed in sin or evil or wickedness. If we're going to live by the Spirit, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. God, through His Spirit, is always present with us. The Spirit dwells within us. The question is, are we present with Him? Or are we absent from Him? And then the last idea that we find in this passage is that God has created us physically. And that's what we close out with in 139 verses 13 through 16. David uses some poetic language to describe the reality of God's creation. He talks about in 13 how God forms our inward parts. God is the one who knits us together. Have you ever seen somebody take some yarn and they, they knit together all of this different yarn into a full blanket or into a full sweater? God is the one who has knitted us together whenever we were in our mother's wombs. In 15, our frame wasn't hidden from God. Whenever He was making us, instead, we were intricately woven in the depths of the earth. When you do something intricately, that means you're paying attention to the details. Whenever God created us, He didn't just throw together a few things. He intricately wove us together according to David. His eyes saw our unformed substance. And you go back to His knowledge in verse 16. In His book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there 
was none. It's not that God caused us to make certain decisions or He caused us to do certain things, but He knew the decisions we would make. He knew who we would become even before He created us. God is the one who created us physically. It's this beautiful idea of God forming us, God molding us, God shaping us, not being hidden from Him, but intricately weaving us together. He doesn't just talk about the reality of God's creation, though. He talks about the perfection of God's creation. This is a verse that we oftentimes quote in 14, and I think we quote it with good reason. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oftentimes when we look at ourselves, we only see our brokenness. We only see our faults. We only see our sin and the mistakes that we make. We think of ourselves as accidents. It'd be better off if I wasn't even here. According to David, God doesn't make accidents. When God was forming us and knitting us and weaving us and making us, He did that in a way that is described as fearful and wonderful. God doesn't make accidents. He says in in 14, Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. What are God's works in Psalm 139? It's us. It's human beings. You take a look around this room or you take a look at yourself in the mirror. Allow your soul to know very well what David's soul knew very well. Wonderful are your works. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. It makes us go back to the sixth day of creation, doesn't it? Whenever God made man in His own image, in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God did that on the sixth day of creation, certainly. But it's something that He has continued to do every day since. This is true for all 8 billion people in the world. God created us physically. But remember, we're talking about a relationship that goes both ways. Maybe we could ask the question, are we allowing Him to create us spiritually? God created us physically, but are we allowing Him to recreate us again in Christ Jesus? In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, pause. Paul talks about there being two different types of people in the world. There are those who are outside of Christ, and there are those who are inside of Christ. If you're, think about it like a circle. If you're outside of the circle, then what? You're outside of the circle. If you're inside of the circle, then you're inside of the circle. There are those who are outside of Christ, and there are those who are inside of Christ. Outside of the circle and inside of the circle. And so the question is, how do I get into the circle? How do I get into Christ Jesus? How do I go from outside of Jesus to inside of Jesus? And Paul answers that question in Galatians 3. He says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How do you get in Christ? You're baptized into Him. When you're baptized into Christ, that's the moment that you clothe yourself with Christ. And so you come back to 2 Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, then what has He, what has he done? If I've made the decision to be baptized into Jesus and I've put on Jesus, I've clothed myself with Jesus, then what has Jesus done for me? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Whenever I'm in Christ, I'm not who I used to be. The person who I was is not who I am. 
That old person we'll see in just a few minutes. That old body of sin has been done away with. That old self that was corrupted through deceitful desires has been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer who I was and now I am a new creation. I have a new identity. I have a new purpose. I have new relationships. I have new goals and aims in life. I have new priorities. Are we allowing God to create us Spiritually, He originally does that in the waters of baptism. That's the moment that we're placed in Christ and raised up with Him to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Have you allowed God to do that to you? Have you made that decision to be baptized into Jesus, to put on Jesus, and to allow Him to recreate you into something brand new? But then we also need to recognize that God creating us spiritually is not something that He does just one time. This is something that God does for us every single day. I'm glad to know that God's not through working on me. And He's not through working on you either. According to Ephesians 2 and verse 10, we are His workmanship. We have been what? Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has created us for a specific purpose. He has created us in Christ Jesus so that we'll do good things. So that our lives will be defined by good works. Are we living in those good works? Are we doing those good things as we allow God to create us on a daily basis? I love Ephesians 4, beginning in 22. You put off the old self. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not going to go back and do the things I used to do. The old self is gone, which is corrupted through deceitful desires. I change the way that I think. I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. And I put on this new self that's what? Created. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Is that something that we're doing every day? When I wake up in the morning, am I conscious? Am I intentional about saying, old self is gone? Change the way that I think. New self is here. And as I live this new self, as I live this new life, God is creating me. He's creating me after His own likeness, molding me and shaping me so that I can look like Him. Are we allowing God to create us so that we can live our lives based on truth and righteousness and holiness? God created us physically. Whether it's in the waters of baptism or in our daily lives as Christians, Are we allowing Him to create us spiritually? We said a relationship with God is the best relationship that a person can have. And I hope we see that in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 16. God knows us, but the relationship has to go both ways. Do we know Him? God is present with us. Are we present with Him? God created us physically. The question is, are we allowing Him every day to create us spiritually? Go back to a question that we began with. How strong is your relationship with God right now? If it's not where it needs to be, we'd love to help you. Maybe you're not putting in your side into this relationship. Maybe you're not sold out. You're not involved. You're not invested in the greatest relationship that you can have, a relationship with your Creator. We'd love to study with you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you as together we stand and sing our song of encouragement.